This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, good morning, Rabbi Isai. Um, we're going to do something a little differently today. We've been uh, had a multi-part series on the topic of the mystery of the Sambatyon, finding the Ten Lost Tribes, and the history of Akdamos. So we mentioned, we start off the Shir from the Gemara Sanhedrin, Daf Samach Yamid Beis, from various Midrashim, about this mystical river that shoots stones six days a week and rests on the Shabbos. And the Sambatyon was the testimony to Tornus Rufus Harasha that we in fact know the seventh day of Shabbos and that it's a day of rest. We spoke about uh, the idea that the Aseras Hashvatim were exiled beyond the Sambatyon River because the Pesukim say in Malachim they were exiled beyond Nahar Goizen which the Ramban and Parshas Hazinu identifies as the Sambatyon River. We mentioned the various reports of the 9th century traveler Eldar Hadoni, who, despite the fact that Ibn Ezra says is not a credible source, nevertheless many Rishonim, uh, most notably Toysus and Mesech Techulun and Afez and the Mordechai and the Rosh, they do quote his Svarim, the Sefer Hilchos Eretz Yisrael. And he testifies about the existence of of uh, lost Jews behind the Sambatyon. He even mentioned a legend that when the Levium were being exiled from Babel and Nebuchadnezzar ordered them to sing Shira to him, which we know the famous matters that the Levium bit off their lips, well, Eldad Hadani reported that, bit off their thumbs, Eldad Hadani reported that after that, a cloud came and lifted them up and deposited them on the other side of the Sambatyon. And while we thought this was more of a fantastic tale, it's actually reported that way in Targum Yonasan Ben Uziel in Parshas Kisisa. And then we mentioned um, the connection between Akdomos and this story based on the Elia Rabbah. The Elia Rabbah wants to come to answer the Taz's question. The ancient custom was that on the first day of Shuas, they would take out the Sefer Torah, they would lay in the Kriya, they would start. And then the Balkari would chant. And uh, the Taz asks, how are you allowed to do so in the middle of Kriya Satoira? How are you allowed to be Mavsik in the middle of Kriya Satoira with this Piyot? And therefore the Taz says that this custom is incorrect and Akdama should be advanced before you lay in the Torah. And this is what we do in all of our shuls. But we mentioned that El Yoraba says, no, that El Yoraba wants to answer the Taz's Kasha. And that El Yoraba wants to say, he found an ancient Germanic document which brings the whole story and history of Akdamas. And since it was written in a Midbar and the first pasuk of the Kriya Satara on the first day of Shavuos is Ba'chodesh Hashlishi Lutzeis Me'ez Somer Zem Ba'chodesh Ba'yoyim Hazah Bo'u Midbar Sinai Midbar Midbar we should lay in Akdomos in the middle of the Kriya that's what the Elia Rabbah writes so, so the Elia Rabbah is referencing a, a tale about the composition of Akdomos and that it was somehow composed in the Midbar so that's what we were in the middle of learning last time we got together composed by a well let's see um what we learned so far was that uh, the Jews were in the Midbar Asya and uh, the Jews throughout history, especially after the advent of Christianity, suffered terribly. And they were always subject to the whim of the local king or emperor or governor. 
And there was one particularly benevolent king, but there was a Khmer, there was a priest who had an Ayinra, but literally he would look at Yidin and he would kill them with his vision. He was a Mechashev. And we can see this happened in the period of the Rishonim. And he came to the king and he said, well, the, your Jewish subjects do not accept Christianity and uh, we need to have a debate and if they lose, we should wipe them out. And the king said, how can we do that? And ultimately he was successful in persuading the king to hold this debate. And the Jews were very frightened because how could they debate this priest? This priest had this x-ray vision. He could kill you just by looking at you. And they came to the conclusion the only way to save themselves is to send the messenger to the other side of the Sambatyon and bring back some of the... We said the Vilna Goyen said that those on the other side of Sambatyon are Tzadikim. Bring back one of those lost tribes, one of those lost Tzadikim, and only he would be able to be successful in um, combating and disputing this Khmer, this priest. Well, nobody wanted to go. And the reason is because in order to go across the Sambatyon, you can't cross it during the week because the, the river is shooting stones. It's, it's, uh, it's perilous. Nobody could survive it. And the only way to go is to go on Shabbos when the river subsides. But that would entail Chilo Shabbos. But what could you do? It's Bikuach Nefashas for Klal so you need to go. The problem now that we, we discussed, what exactly was the Chilo Shabbos? Either it was out of the Tchum, or they needed to go on a boat, or they needed to swim. But the issue here was that while they would be allowed to go to the other side, for Bikuach Nefashas, the story reports they would not be able to return. Because that would not be Pikuach Nefashas. We ask the question, normally if you go on a mission to save someone, you're permitted to return. It could be that it would not apply in this situation. Because the reason why you're permitted to return is because nobody would ever volunteer to save Jews if you would not be allowed to return. But it could be in this case, this wasn't a volunteer. It was imposed on the person. We weren't sure exactly. But it was a one-shot one deal. How many times do you have witchcraft priests with X-ray vision? Right, it's not a common occurrence. Well, what we learned was the they made a lottery, and who won the lottery? Somebody by the name of Rav Meir Shliach Tzibor, who was none other than the Rebbe of Rashi. He's an individual that's quoted by Rashi in a number of places. Rashi in Amos Paragimel Pasuk Yudbeis. Rashi in Tehillim Parak Ayin Gimel Pasuk Yudbeis. It's, he's quoted by Toysus in the Sechta Roshana Daf Yud Aleph by the Shibali HaLeket. He was one of the Rabbeim of Rashi. And he was the one who, it was his lot to go to the other side of Sambayon and save Klal Yisrael. Well, uh, he had to divorce his wife, not to leave her as an Aguna. And um, let's pick it up. That's where we're up to. We're in number 49. We're in number 49. We're in the paragraph that begins... The third paragraph of number 39, the whole congregation, they all accompanied Rameir outside the city. They did not forsake their place. In other words, they waited there until he disappeared off into the distance. Again, we're in number 49, fourth paragraph. Rameir waited. At the edge of the river, obviously he can't start traveling until Shabbos comes. He was waiting for Shabbos to enter. By the way, this would be very interesting. If we had access to the Sambadion, we'd be able to be Machriya, the Machlokis between the Vilna Goyen and Rabbeinu Tam. 
as to when Shabbos begins and when Shabbos ends. I would presume that in deference to the Vilna Goin, the Sambalion becomes volatile at the Grozman, and in deference to Rabbi Tam, it continues going until the Zman of Rabbi Tam. But, uh, you know, we'll have to see for ourselves. Um, Rabbi Meir Magil Sasanor, Umechakel Knisos Shabbos, Miyad, Kishahivsik Anor, Lasha when the river stopped throwing stones, Hecha Rabbeinu Meir Lavra Sanar, Rabbeinu Meir began to cross the river. Liboy Doifek Bechazka, his heart pounded. Mechalalutha Shabbos, he's desecrating the Shabbos, Shabbos Kotshenu. But what could he do? Achmiyad Mischazik Ubenavsa, he strengthened himself. Hare Ani Hoylech Lamanat Salsan Fajal Banam Shalakalish Barucho. Only reason I'm going is to save the children of God. May God grant that I'm successful on my voyage. When Rameir finished these thoughts, he was already on the other side of the river. Rameir gets to his destination on Shabbos day. They recognize him as a Jew and they immediately incarcerate him. Why? He's a Shabbos desecrator. We mentioned a number of times in this location, they have a Sanhedrin and they judge capital offense. And when someone desecrates the Shabbos, they stone him to death. Well, they couldn't do that on Shabbos. Well, they, that's why they put him in jail until Sunday. He didn't realize why he's coming? Well, on Sunday, he sits before the Bezdin, they bring Rameir there, and he's frightened, and with great dread, he presents to the Bezdin and the Sanhedrin what his mission is, and how he was sent to save uh, uh, Klal Yisrael. Then, the Shiloh is, who will... They send to the other side of the Sambat Yon to represent the Yidin in the, this confrontation and the dispute with the priest. Well, they made a raffle, and sure enough, who won the raffle? A chayot. What's a chayot? The tailor. the tailor. So, this tailor got up, and he divorced his wife. What happened to Ramesh Dutton? Wasn't he supposed to be the debater? No, he was sent to the other sons of Anion to, to find the debater. Oh, he's and then, to the other side of the yeah, Shari he's not, uh, so, so, you know, someone suggested they can marry each other's wives now, so it wasn't, you know. <laughs> anyway, the Meshach HaShavua, now this Chayot can't travel back until when? Until the next Shabbos. So the Meshach HaShavua, the next Shabbos, the, the, by the next Shabbat, throughout the week, the, tra- the um, tailor travels to the river, and at that point in time, says the story, Ruach HaKodesh was Shoira on Rabbeinu, Rabbeinu Meir, and he was Mechaber, a piot liturgy, in honor of God, and that liturgy is, that piot is Akdamas. And Akdamas gives Shavach to Rabbeinu Shalom, speaks about the greatness of Kal Yisrael, the great reward in store for those who are involved in Taira. Rabbeinu Meir wrote it in Aramaic. Why? So that the angels should not understand the great praise and get jealous of us. Now, interestingly, Akdamos is like this. There are 90 stanzas in Akdamos. It goes through the Aleph phase. Then it goes through the Aleph phase a second time. And at the end it says, and it spells out in an acrostic, Meir, Beer, Rabbi Yitzchak, Yigdal, Batayro, Vimasim, Toivim, Amen, Chazak ve'emas. Got it? So those are the 90 stanzas of Akdamas. Aleph Beis, that's 22. Aleph Beis, Nacha 22. And then, Meir, Bir, Rabbi Yitzchak, Yigdam, Batar, Masam Tovim, 
Amen, Chazak ve'emat. He's talking about himself? No, it wasn't about him, but that's just the style of Mechabrim. They would be Maram. It's spelled out. The first letter of Isan of is spelled out. Meir, Beer, Rabbi Yitzchak, similar to what we have in Kabbalah Shabbos. You know, Lishloimai. It's not about Rabbi Shloimai Al-Kabbetz, but his name is alluded to in the Epismai. Okay. So, Erev Shabbos, the tailor departs from his relatives and his friends and from all the Jews. Everybody wished him well. And finally, um, the Chayat takes leave of Rabbeinu Meir. And Rabbeinu Meir accompanies him to the edge of the river and he hands him a document. And guess what that document was? Akdamos. And he asks him to please disseminate it among the Jewish people so that his name will not be forgotten among Kal Yisrael on the other side. So he assumed that they would survive this debate. I guess. Otherwise, the, why this whole thing's academic. Why did Rabbi Meir go back? Because he's now to go back. You, the only way to go back is if you're Mechal Shabbos. So the Chayat needed to go back to save Klal Yisrael. But Ben Meir, he was stuck over there. He was Moisar Nefesh, according to the story. Now you should know... What about carrying on Shabbos? He put it on the boat. Now, interestingly, this the veracity of the story, we have to rely on the... Remez of the Elia Rabba. The Elia Rabba just writes that because Akdamus was composed in the Midbar, therefore we lane it after the Pasuk. He doesn't give us any of these details. All of these details, we don't really have any way to know if they actually happened. We know something happened. We know there was some Maisa with Akdamus. Now this story appeared first in Yiddish and it was published in many Yiddish books. And we have a, a, a translation, Lashna Kaidash. We don't know from Chazal that this story happened. So if you want to know, am I obligated to believe that this story happened? No. It's not part of, not part of the Messiah of Tarshabal Peh. It's a story. It's a story. We do know Rabbeinu Meir Sibur uh, lived. We know he lived. Rashi quotes him numerous times. We know there's something up with Akdamas. That's from the Elia Rabbah. Exactly what happened... This is the story as we have it, and that's what it is. It's a story. It's passed down through the ages, but it's not. These, this is not Devei Chazal. Okay, but let's see what the story is nevertheless. Some question the veracity of the, of the Maisa. There's um, a safer you have on the sheet here. The uh, number 22, says that this is uh, story does not have historical verification. Artskol in the Artskol I do not believe it makes reference to this story. But as I mentioned, the Elia Rabba, who's on the Gedolei does make reference to the story, and that that itself is uh, significant. We know, firstly, we know Rabbeinu Meir Rabbi Yitzchak was Rashi's Rebbe, and one other thing we do know is that he personally held many debates. Who? Rabbeinu Meir. Now, in this story, it wasn't him. But we do know historically that he debated many um, Christian theologians. In fact, his son, his son was killed, Al-Kiddush Hashem, in the crusade of Tatnu 1096. So, let's just, let's read out the story. Basically, Shabbos comes, and uh, this tailor heads on to the boat, and the Jews on the other side have been waiting for him anxiously since the previous Shabbos. And, um... 
as they're looking out to the horizon, they see a boat, they see a yid on the boat, and they're filled with simcha that the Yiban Shalom has made them successful in their mission. Okay. Well, Shabbos is over, and uh, they send a message to the king. That whenever you want to hold the debate, we are ready, we have our man, we're not afraid. So the king hears the words, he tells the priest to be prepared. <coughs> and they set a date, and they, they set up a big stage. And the stage was located in a valley, surrounded by tall trees. And there was room for a crowd to gather and watch this public spectacle. Well, on the appointed date, the king, his officers, his advisors, the whole city, the whole region, the priest, the tailor, they ascend the stage. So what does the priest do? He takes off his glasses and he gives him a look, trying to you know, inject his venom into him like he's always doing. Nothing happens. After all, he's from the other side of the river. And everybody knows people from the other side of the river are immune to the x-ray vision of Christian priests. It's well known, right? And now the priest is starting to get nervous. And um, the priest decides, you know, before we hold the debate, I want to make the king happy and entertain the king. I'm going to uh, do some of my magic. So what does he do? He gets up to the stage and he takes two millstones, very big, heavy millstones, and he lifts them up, and everyone's, whoa, ooh, ah, how did he do it? It was magic. And then, with great brute force, he takes the two big millstones, and he throws it up into the air. And all of a sudden, these two huge millstones are suspended in midair. And then the priest goes like this, and they start spinning and grinding in midair. And everybody is flabbergasted. Wow, there's no way the Jews are going to win this debate. And now the priest says, well, now you little tailor, you little Jewish guy, now you try something before we even start. He says, no problem. He says, look, you see these big tall trees? I'll make a deal with you. Either I'm going to bend one of these trees that reach up to the heavens, I'm going to bend it down to the floor, and you're going to come hold it. Or you bend it down, and I'll hold it. So the priest says, look, there's no way this guy is going to bend it down. I'll tell him to bend it and I'll hold it down. So this little Yidullah, he closes his eyes, he davens, he says, Shemois. He takes the tree and he bends the tree. And he says, do me a favor, hold the tree down. Now the priest is shaking in his boots. There's no way he could possibly hold the tree down. But what could he do? You know, he accepted the challenge. So he puts on a facade, he's smiling to everybody, thinking, like, how in the world is he going to hold it down? The chayat says, you know, bekavod. He gives the, the, the priest to hold it down. All of a sudden, when the tailor lets go, phew, the tree shoots the priest up into the air. Guess where he lands? In between the two millstones that were grinding. <laughs> it, it grinds him to smithereens, it pulverizes him. And, you know, um, priest... X-ray vision dust comes pouring down. And of course all the Jews were besimcha and they sang and they danced. And the Rav told them, Bizman Azar, we're not able to bring a carbon toida, but in gratitude to Hashem, let us all dedicate ourselves to the Torah 
and thank this tailor from the Aseris Hashvatim that he spared us from the wrath of the king and the wrath of the tailor. The story ends, this happened in the year 4,862. Four thousand eight hundred and sixty-two. Who is the tailor? Do I? You need a hem or something? <laughs> Four, I don't know. Doesn't say four thousand eight hundred and sixty-two, right? So we're talking um, about a hundred and fifty uh, thousand one hundred and one thousand. Uh, excuse me. We are talking. Uh, you know what? Nine hundred and eighty-five years ago. Okay. We're talking, about 900, we're talking about in the times of Rashi. Do we have any other evidence about this story? No. It's a story. It's a legend. There is, there is uh, hints to it in the words of the El Yaraba. But again, this is something that has been passed down through the ages. And of course, this is the, the history of Akdamos that um, was written by Rabbeinu Meir Bar Yitzchak who that we know he wrote Akdamos and we know he was Rashi's Rebbe and he concludes Akdamos with the words Tzvi v'isra ivan v'umesarlan oiraisa God wanted us, he desired us and therefore he gave us the Torah so this is a, a very beautiful pismine and some of the history of it now Rabbi Yisai, let's end off with some facts about the ten tribes the king after that, he bought some real estate on the other <laughs> side. Then he made a castle. Excuse yeah, we got off the hook. We wanted to bank the other guy's Okay. What by default? <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about that Sasashvatim. Are they coming back or are they not coming back? So there are two Gemaras you have to learn. Now we're not, now we're not learning stories, we're learning Tayramisina. And there are two Gemaras that you have to know. Number 26 and 27, a Gemara in Sanhedrin and a Yalkut Shemaini. Excuse me, a Gemara in Sanhedrin and a Gemara Megillah. The Gemara says like this. First we have a Machlokes Tanoim and then we have a Gemara. Aseres, number 26, the Mishnah in Sanhedrin, Kuf Yud Amin Beis. Aseres Hashvatim, Enon Asidin Lapsar. The ten tribes, they're never coming back. Shenemar. He cast them to another land as of this day. Just like this day, it goes and will never return. So to the ten tribes, they went, they will never return. For example, look at number 9 and 10. It says in the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Ashur captured the Shomron and he exiled Klal Yisrael and he situated them in Techalach and Techavar and Tenahar Goizen and Arei Madai, says the Tanakama, they went there, they are never coming back. This is the opinion of Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva says the ten tribes are never, ever, ever coming back. Rabbi Lazar Oimer, he argues, Kayoim Hazeh, Mayoim Mafil Omer, just like this day, it turns dark. The night comes, but then day comes again. So to the ten tribes, it was dark for them. It will illuminate for them and they will return. That's the opinion of Rebbe Lazar. One more machlaikas. Do the ten tribes have a share in the world to come? Says Rebbe Akiva, not at all. 
Ein lohem chilek loylam avar shenemer vayit shem Hashem elan mosam beaf uvechema uveketzav gadol vayit shem Hashem elan mosam loylam azeh vayashlichem el aratzacheres loylam haba devei Rabbi Kiva. Says Rabbi Akiva, "Vayit shem me'alad mosam is this world. Vayashlichem el aratzacheres is oylam haba." Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda is karaka yomer no mishum Rabbi Shimon. If their actions are like today, enon chayzim they ain't coming back. Ve'imlav, but if they're not like today, chayzim they will come back. In other words, if they keep up their actions, they lost their share in oylam haba. If they do tshuva, they'll get it back. Rabbi Yoimer, Boim Haim Loyomaba, Shenemar, Bayoim Hahu, Yitaka Beshefer Gadol, Uvau, Haoivdim, Biaretz Ashur, the Hanidachim, Biaretz Mitzrayim, Biaretz Ashur refers to the ten Shvatim. So we have a great Machlaikis if the ten tribes are coming back. We have a Machlaikis if they have a share in the world to come. No, they didn't leave her. They were exiled. Or they were exiled because they were Oyved Avodah The Gemara in Megillah says something which is very important and not so well known. The Rebbe says they ain't coming back and they ain't going to Oyl Maba. They lost it. I don't know if Rabbi Akiva could predict that they're not going to do Tshuva, but one thing he could predict, he knows that they're not, they don't have a share in Oyl Maba. Maybe because they didn't do tshuva. Rabbi Kiva, who came after them, is saying they did not do tshuva. What do you do with all years years of Chutz may. Chutz all those. Well, they're, they're part of the, the chutz. Comes the Gemara Megillah. So that means, according to Rabbi Akiva, if I were to ask Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva would come into this room and say, well, if the ten tribes are not coming back, then Rabbi Kiva would say, everyone in this room is not from the ten tribes. Okay. That means Rabbi Kiva would be able to say, we're all from Yehuda or Binyamin. But there's one caveat. Look at number 28. And that is, the Gemara is talking about the time of Chilkiyo Hakoyen when he was doing overdue repairs in the Beis HaMikdash, and they found the Sefer Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu, and it was open to the Pasuk that said, God will carry out your king to, in exile. And they wanted to get the pro- prophetic meaning of this, so they sent word to a Neviah, a prophetess. Which prophetess? Chulda HaNeviah. And the Gemara asks, Chulda HaNeviah? There was a Navi at the time. Where was Yirmiya? So you say, yeah... I asked my Rav, I went to Cholda, I didn't ask the, the, the Nevi. No, no. This is a very important rule. You need to take it to the top. You need to take it to the top. Don't go, oh, I asked my Rabbi. You gotta take it to the top. And if Yermia's around, they should have gone to him. So the Gemara says, where did Yermia go? Rabbi Yochanan Amar, Yermia, I have a hossam. Yermia was not there. Shaholach lahachser aseras hashmatim. Yermia took a trip to the other side of Sambanyon to bring back the ten tribes. And did he? He brought him back. Uminolandahadr, how do we know Yermia? We're talking about Yermia before Khorban Bais Rishon. How do I know he brought him back? The Pasuk says like this The sale will not return to the seller. 
the sale, the, the, the moicher, will not return to his memkar. Now normally, you do get your field back. Why? Because of Yoivel. But Yoivel does not apply if Klal Yisrael is not living in Eretz Yisrael. So one second. It says the sale will not return, which means that Yoivel does not apply. But one second. Yoivel was already Batel. So why would the Navi have to say the day will come that Yoivel will be Batel? Yoivel was already Batel. The answer is it must be Yoivel was already Batel. But then a time came that it went back into effect and then it became Batel again. How's that? It was Batel when Ashur exiled Asar Sashvatim. So now the Jews are not all on their land. So now there's no Yoivel. But when Yirmiya brought, brought back the ten Shvatim, Yoivel came back. Says the Gemara Megillah, Yirmiya brought back all ten Shvatim. So what's the problem? It's a steer to the, the Mishnah in Sanhedrin. Rabbi Kiva says, they ain't coming back. And the Gemara Megillah says, Yirmiya brought them back. So did they come back? Did they not? Rabbi Akiva says the ten tribes are not coming back. And Rabbi Yochanan said, Yermia brought back the ten tribes. It's a big problem, right? Other ya, other nish. Did they come back? Did they not come back? Ready for this? You ready? On the words of the Mishnah, on the Kuf Yudam and Beis in Sanhedrin, when Rabbi Kiva says, "Asaras Hashvatim Einon Asidin Lachzor Shenemar Vayashlichim Al Eretz Acheres Kayer Mazeh," Divi Rabbi Akiva Frakt Rashi Vahada Aminam Begemar Di Yermia Hechziron. I Yermia brought them back. He only brought back some of them. So if I were to ask you, are there people today among us who are from Shivit Ruvain? Yes. Shemain? Yes. Yisachar? Zebulon? All the ten tribes are represented. How many did he bring back? We don't know exactly. What about the rest or the majority that he didn't bring back? Will we see one day? Tishbi, Yatari, it's Kushya, Zavayas. Rabbi Kiva says they ain't coming back. Rabbi Lezer says they're coming back. But one thing is for sure, some of them have already come back, and that's what Yermia did. So it's safe to say that some of us are coming to Shabbat Yeah, yeah. I think most of us are from Shev Yehuda. I have some kind of tradition I'm from Shevet Yehuda but who knows anybody's guess but but they're all Shevet Yisrael are represented let's end off with the following and that is here we are we're in the year 2016 Every square inch of planet Earth has presumably been scouted out and discovered and ex- explored. You could go onto a computer program and they'll show you a picture of basically every square inch in the planet. So, where is the Sambatyon River? Someone tell me. 
You want to say 200 years ago there's a Sambatyon River that shoots up stones. It's in the Far East, in India, in Af- between uh, Afghanistan and Pakistan and in the mountain region over there. But we've been there, you know. We looked for Osama. We didn't see the uh, Sambatyon River. We, you know, we've been everywhere. So we have an encounter with the Sambatyon. So what does that mean for us? Well, this is a question that the Maral addresses. And uh, let me explain to you what he says in uh, my terms. And that is like this. You ever lose car keys? Lose your car keys? Yeah. <laughs> and you ever find them? You ever find them in the place where you ready, you look ten times and, and right? I have right. What happens? Until God wants you to see something, you don't see it. And when He wants you to see it, you see it. Hakol Everything is hidden until God wants you to see it. So says Maral, especially when it comes to the Sabbatian River, God specifically wanted to hide something. So now you have a question. So then, how come I don't see it? That's a question. When God doesn't want you to see something, everybody knows we don't see it. How many times have we looked for things? We have no clue where they are. And then finally, you dive in a little bit, and then you find it in the place where you looked a hundred times. Where is this Sambatian River? Your guess is as good as mine. We don't know. Some say in Africa. Some say in Asia. Some... I don't know where it is. There is some concept of Sambatyon River. Let's let's read that inside, and then we'll uh, we'll conclude this uh, this series. We're on the final page, which is page eleven, the middle column. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven lines on the bottom. There are some people who say the sages of the world. The um, geographers and the makers of maps, they've already mapped out every square inch of planet Earth. Every inch of this world is already documented. Nobody has found the ten tribes, except for Mishpacha magazine. No one has discovered the ten tribes. Right? Actually, in the last couple of weeks, come out every week, they have a different write-up about a different community, whether in China or India, that has some claim to the ten tribes. And there is some evidence that perhaps there are many tribal um, practices. practices of whether whether in uh, India or China, which which are similar to Judaism and whether or Ethiopia. And there is question. Maybe there is Jewish blood mixed in there. But nobody has identified with veracity these are the ten lost tribes. Why not? Ve'in raya misham, says Maral, it's not a proof. Bishvil davarza, hevel yifza p'yem. Their mouth speaks emptiness. Ki efshir ve'efshir she'yiyah makam echad be'erat shloi no'edolahem. It is very plausible. There is a place in a land that is not known. L'fi shemafsik o'isoi min ha'yishiv ha'har v'chayot v'za. God could have separated it from civilization through mountains. V'arei amru shemikrum nimsa makam echad 
Who knows, there are still places in the world that maybe Hashem has not chose to show us at this point. Look at the last four lines. God decreed on us separation and until Hashem decides to gather them in. That's what we daven every day. The Vilna Goyen says, we learned this, it's on your sheets. The Goyen tells us that there are three places that Jews have been exiled. The Asar Sashvatim were exiled behind, behind the mountains of darkness, behind the Sambanyon River. And of course, Kla Yisrael is spread to all four corners of the world. And these three exiles are alluded to in Tekabishar One, the sun is the Kabitz Goliyoseinu. Two, the Kabitzenu Yachan Meyarba Kanfoy Sa'aret. So we're all Mespalel. We should be Zoycha to see you. Boho Ibdim, the Eretz Ashur, Bani Dochim, the Eretz Mitzrayim. We should all go up. The Hishtachavu, Lahara. Vishtachavu, the Harkotchai, and Yushalayim Havanuya, and Hervi Aminu Amin. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.